Hey, how's it going, New Hope? Thanks for joining us for our online gathering. Great, great to see you even through a camera. When, when you think of a fool, who do you think of? If you're with other people, maybe you should answer out loud. I would bet, if you're like me, that your concept of a fool is heavily shaped by TV and movies, which got me thinking. We haven't done a top 10 list in quite a while. Going back to Dave Letterbett, I love top 10 lists. And so I put together a top 10 list of fools or famous fools from TV and movies. Now, you can participate at home, whether you're watching on our new online platform or on Facebook. Uh, you can chat. And so go ahead, just start listing when you're thinking famous fools in TV and in movies, just go ahead and put them out there. You'll, you'll probably think of ones that, that, that I haven't thought of. But I looked through a couple of lists and I pulled from my own knowledge and put together the top 10 list of famous fools from TV movies. Ready? All right, here we go. Uh, number one, kind of old school here, Barney Fife. Do you remember Barney Fife from the, the Andy Griffith show? He was the deputy. He had the gun that Andy never allowed him to use. He could carry the bullet in his pocket. So Barney Fife is number 10. Number nine, I had to come up with a woman because as I put together the list, all of them were men, which that's maybe a whole nother topic. So I had to come up with a woman, and my woman at number nine is Dory from Finding Nemo and, and Finding Dory. Uh, number eight, go ahead and keep listening to men. You'll get some of the ones that, that I'm going to get to here, is Cosmo Kramer. Do you remember Kramer from the TV show Seinfeld? He was Jerry's neighbor and he never seemed to work, but he always seemed to pay rent and have money. He'd come crashing into Jerry's apartment with no announcement on. So that's number eight, uh, Cosmo Kramer. Number seven from the movie Wayne's World, Wayne and Garth. I think it started on SNL and, and launched a couple movies, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. How are we doing? Go ahead, keep on chatting there. Famous uh, fools from TV and movie. Number six, old school again. I watched these movies growing up. Inspector Clouseau from the Pink Panther movies. Uh, that was Peter Sellers. I think there's 11 Pink Panther movies. The more recent variation, Steve Martin played Inspector Clouseau. Number five, famous fools from TV and movie. One of my favorites, Michael Scott from The Office. We've started to rewatch The Office with our girls and he's such a great character. Number four, this is for my wife, this is for you honey, a famous fool from TV and movies, her favorite fool, Tommy Boy. Uh, number four, and Chris Farley of course, uh, a famous fool. Number three, this is the, uh, I'll give you a hint, this is the, the longest running scripted TV show in American history, it started in 1989, and that is The Simpsons over 30 years, and our famous fool is Homer Simpson. We're down to number two. Do you have them? Have you guessed them? Go ahead and keep on guessing. Number two, famous fools from uh, movies, again, old school, The Three Stooges, 190 short films. The, the comedy team was together for 48 years. And here we go, drum roll, the most famous fools in all of TV and movie history is from the movie Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Lloyd and and Harry. And if you haven't seen those movies, that's, of course, uh, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. So you might think that's a total waste of time. I promise you it's not a waste of time. It's an exercise in thinking how we form our opinions. And when I started the, the sermon and said, hey, when you think of fool, who do you think of? Your answer was probably shaped by those famous fools. And when we think of those famous fools, we think of people who are um, gullible or incompetent or naive or not self-aware. I like to refer to them as, as lovable losers. The problem is that's not the same way the sages of scripture 
the writers of scripture think of the word fool. Uh, let, me, let me illustrate that with Jesus himself from Matthew 5, 22. Jesus says this. It's a weird verse, but stay with me. He says, anyone who says you fool, so Jesus is using that word, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So what Jesus is saying is if we call somebody you fool, that's a really, really serious thing. Jesus couldn't possibly be saying if we called somebody, hey, you're like Tommy boy, that we're in danger of hell. He has to mean something else, and he does, because his, his mental conception of fool was shaped by the sages of, of Scripture. So to understand what a fool is, we have to return to Scripture, and we have to take what we find there very, very seriously, because the book of Proverbs will tell us the way of the fool leads to death. So one of our big goals of today's sermon is to relook at this idea full, change it from how we've grown up thinking about it, formed through TVs and movies, and begin to shape it by how the sages of Scripture think about it. We're in the second week of a series on the book of Proverbs called How Not to Be a Fool. Last week we looked at the introduction, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. You can go back and watch that message if you want. Uh, Proverbs is one of the three classic uh, Hebrew Scripture books of wisdom the books of wisdom were written by sages. These are men and women who are wise and they're skilled and they just know how the world works. They know how to live. That word uh, in Hebrew for wisdom, do you remember it? It's hokmah, hokmah. And it means a high degree of skill pretty much in any trade. I- I- anybody who's really skilled at something, they have hokmah. Applied to the book of Proverbs, it means to live skillfully, to live skillfully. God used his hokmah, an attribute of God, to create the world, to create you and I. Hokmah is woven into everything we do. There's a cause and effect relationship with how the world's supposed to work that we can't shake, we can't escape it. That's hokmah. The sages, the wisdom literature, they're steeped in hokmah. As a review, the first nine chapters are parent-child conversations, 10 of them, in fact, and then uh, chapters 10 through 31 are hundreds and hundreds of these things called Proverbs. And their Proverbs are little sayings. They're tried and true, and they're backed by lifetimes of experiences. They're spoken by, again, remember that, that image, picture that room that we walk into that's filled with wise people, filled with people who have lived life well and know how life works. That's the book of Proverbs. It's right here at our disposal. So every day we come to this fork in the road. Uh, I read that we make up to 35,000 decisions a day. That's a lot of forks in the road. 200 decisions just on food. And some of these are small little decisions. Some of them are huge. So we come to the fork of the road. Are we going to take the way of wisdom? Are we going to take the way of foolishness? What is a wise guy? Uh, This is not a wise guy, this picture. And of course, that's Tony Soprano, so that's, that's like a dad joke. It, maybe it's not funny. A wise guy or wise gal is someone, if you remember the definition from last week, who aligns their way with God's way. And then we looked at that really, really key foundational uh, verse, Proverbs 1.7. It's the thread that runs throughout the entire book. It's at the beginning, and it's at the end, and that's what is the, what is the basis of wisdom? Do you remember? The fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord. And this is not that God is a boogeyman. That's not what it means. The phrase means uh, awe-inspiring or or reverence, or as Old Testament scholar John Walton describes it, taking God seriously. That is the very foundation of wisdom, that we're right-sized. We understand who God is, we understand who we are, and we align our way with his way. Today, our goal is to get an accurate picture 
of a fool. All those fools from TVs, they're great. They're lovable losers. They're, they're, we, we kind of adore them in a way. They're cute. That's not what a fool is in the Hebrew scriptures. It's far more dangerous and it's far more serious. So we need to get a really clear picture of, of a fool. And then we're going to look at the three steps of how you become a fool because we don't want to become a fool. So to know how you become a fool is really, really important. Each of those steps as we look at, there'll be ways that we can exit that step, ways we can turn around and say, I don't want to walk that way anymore because I know that's a road that leads to death. Now, here's the warning. As I go through these steps and as we think through them, your natural response and my natural response will be to start to think about people we know. Oh, they're, they're like that. It'll be hard to shake that. I want to really, really encourage you not to think about other people today. When we walk through these steps, as we begin to kind of sketch and paint this portrait of a biblical fool, which we do not want to become, we need to think of ourselves. So we're going to start with our, our public reading of Scripture today, and uh, Nancy Lowe is going to read it. Take it away, Nancy. Number one step of becoming a fool. First step in becoming a fool. You ready? Here's the journey. This is what we don't want to do, so we got to be aware of it. First step is we do foolish things. We do foolish things. Uh, here are some a few just foolish actions that I pulled together from the book of Proverbs. Uh, we become easily angered, uh, recklessness. We burn through money. We speak too quickly or we speak too much. We're dishonest or we drink too much. I have a little bit of experience in that last one. I grew up in an incredible home and, and knew that drinking wasn't something that was legal for me or, or healthy for me as a young man. When I was about 17, I, I started running with athletes and jocks and I played sports and drinking was like part of that culture. And I held off for a long time. And then one night at a party, someone offered me a beer. No one was around. No adults were around. I wasn't going to get caught. And I said, just this one time, <laughs> just this one time. To be clear, all of us, everyone watching this, myself to this day included, probably every day we do foolish things. To do foolish things doesn't mean we become fools, but is the first step to becoming a fool. And that's a really important principle. There's this thing called a flywheel. It's a really big, heavy wheel. It's, it's an engineering deal. And flywheels, they're really hard to get moving. They're super heavy. But as you start to push, kind of that first push, they start to move. And then you push again. And then you push again. And once a flywheel gets moving, it creates its own momentum. And then it becomes really hard to stop. And it's a simple moral principle. Something that's moving, something that has momentum, is much more difficult to stop. We make a foolish decision once, we can maybe stop that. We can maybe exit that. Oh, that was, I shouldn't do that. You make it twice, you make it three times, the flywheel starts going. And it becomes harder and harder and harder to stop. That's why every single action that we do that's foolish is one step to becoming a fool. And that was true of me. It wasn't just that one time. I found like I liked alcohol. It made me fit in with everybody. It gave me bravado and false confidence. And it went from drinking just that once to drinking several times a week, to drinking every night of the week, to where it became a habit. That led to me stealing beer from the grocery store I worked at. That led to me and some friends following beer distribution trucks around town. And when they would open their gate and take their delivery in, we'd steal beer from the back of the truck. That led, believe it or not, to us breaking into a beer distribution plant. I kid you not, 
stealing kegs and pushing them out over the barbed wire fence. <laughs> that led to me, years after that, drinking in public underage and getting arrested. Just this once led to all those things. It led to a pathway of foolishness. So what can we do? We stand back from our lives, we begin to see this pattern of foolish decisions. What can we do to exit this first step so we don't get the flywheel going? Well, one thing we can do is uh, not keep making foolish decisions. The, there's a verse that Nancy read earlier from Proverbs 26, 11, and it says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool that repeats his folly. It's a very vivid image. Anybody that has dogs has seen that, and it's gross. And we need to kind of be grossed out by that. When we see this behavior that we keep choosing the foolish path, we need to be like, ugh. So let's not keep repeating foolish behavior. We can also read a proverb a day, or if you're ambitious, a group of proverbs. This is the book that tells us how life's meant to work. This is the book put together by hundreds of thousands of generations upon generations of wise people telling us the same thing. This is how it works. This is how it works. This is how it works. What a gift. We should know it, and, and a lot of us don't know it. We haven't given a lot of time to the sages of Scripture. So maybe start that practice. Just choose one every day. If you're doing life in community, which I hope you are, if you're a parent and you're leading children, take a proverb, read it at dinner, talk about it. Help your kids, help shape them, help form them in how, how life works. Another cool practice of how we can kind of exit this first step and make sure that the one foolish action doesn't turn into a, a habit that turns into a lifestyle it's called the prayer of exam, and you may have heard me talk about it before. It's an ancient prayer. It's an ancient practice from followers of Jesus, and it's really simple. It's at the end of the day. I usually do it when I'm in bed or maybe taking a shower at night. You invite the Spirit of God in to help you review the day, to help you think through the day, to help you live reflectively. It's very simple, very beautiful, very powerful, and it can go something like this. The steps will come up on the screen. Find, find a quiet space. Uh, take 30 seconds, breathe deeply, get quiet, and then recognize God's presence because God's presence is always with us. And you can speak Samuel's prayer. Uh, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You're allowing God to know, I'm here. I recognize your presence. I want you to speak to me. And then two simple questions. You ask the Spirit of God to reveal throughout the day as you kind of look back through your day from when you got up out of bed all throughout the day, Spirit of God, reveal when I chose foolishly, when I took the foolish path. Uh, th that's, that's when we, we, we wither as, as humans. That's when we're not who God made us to be. And then we, we repent of that. And then we, then we ask the question, God, reveal to me where I chose the wise path. And then we don't repent there. We're grateful. We're like, thank you, God. And that's where we sense that deep sense of flourishing and we recognize, oh, that was a good choice. That was a wise choice. It allows us to be aware of patterns. You can flip those questions. You can do them in any order that you want. But it's that practice, asking those two questions, and then you just say, amen. Thanks, God. This practice helps us see how we spend our days. And as, as the writer Annie Dillard said, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And each day is a microcosm of our lives. And if we step back and we're asking that prayer exam, we start to see patterns of choosing foolish paths and we can step away from them by God's grace and they don't have to become habit that becomes lifestyle. So first step of becoming a fool is we do foolish things and we do them again and again and again. Second step of becoming a fool is we travel with fools. We travel with fools. You might remember this, this proverb from last week. Let me reread it. 
walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Let me repeat that. Really important proverb. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. I'll say it like this. Wise people hang out with wise people. Fools hang out with fools. If you want to become a fool, travel with fools. This is a proverb. It's true. And it's unequivocally true when we look around at our lives. I bet if I didn't know you, I bet I could make an accurate guess to the type of person you are if I met your friends, if I met the people you hung out with. You could say it this way, who we spend time with is who we become. People said, take the five people you spend the most time with, you become the average of those five people. Again, if you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. If you want to be a fool, travel or hang out with fools. So what what can we do? Well, we can seek wise traveling companions and jettison foolish ones. Again, parents, this is really, really important if you're raising children. I think this is one of the primary tasks we have as parents is to help our kids understand this principle, that who they spend time with is likely who they become. We don't do that alone. When it says train up a child in the way they should go, that's a proverb we looked at last week. The, the sages assume we're doing it as community, that that's not just on your shoulders, parents, that we're meant to raise children, as the African proverb says, it takes a village. And that's such a beautiful partnership that church can have with parents. And that is our heart. This is New Hope's heart, our, our kids community, our student community. We want to partner with you parents as we raise up and we shape the next generation. It's been said, experts have said that we need five additional influences beyond parents in the life of a kid. We want to make sure those are wise additional influences, not foolish additional influences. And we're here to partner with you. That's our, our team of volunteer student leaders, our team of volunteer kids leaders. We're there every Sunday. We're offering incredible online content. So, so check that out. Even in the midst of pandemic, you can invite those voices in. Us adults, this principle totally applies just as much as kids. We need wise traveling companions. We can't travel with fools. So if you remember last week, I gave you some homework. You probably didn't do it. That's okay. No shame. It's all right. You can actually do it right now in the moment. And I ask you just to reflect and think through who you hang out with. You could easily just list those people on a page. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it may be a little bit different than normal. Maybe you want to think back prior to quarantine, kind of who you, you hung out with. And maybe as you apply this principle of kind of changing who you hang out with from more foolish people to more wise people, what a great opportunity to do that. As we emerge at some point from this quarantine, we have a fresh opportunity to repopulate our lives with wise traveling uh, companions. Proverbs 12, 26 tells us that people who live right choose their friends carefully. Now, when I say wise traveling companions, foolish traveling companions, I'm not just talking about embodied people. I'm not just talking about people you live with or your friends that you see. I'm also in a digital age talking about the voices you listen to. So when you're making that list of traveling companions, I want you to go ahead and add podcasters or news personalities or radio personalities or authors that you read, people you listen to regularly, absolutely shape your life and help you to make either wise or, or foolish decisions. Um, I did not apply Proverbs 12, 26. I did not choose my friends carefully that latter part of high school. I was not hanging out with wise people. 
that's self-evident in this, just a few of the decisions I shared with you earlier. At some point, the group of people I was with should have said, hey, it's probably not a wise plan to break into a beer distribution plan and try to get kegs over a barbed wire fence. Someone should have said that. And it's telling that no one did. I wasn't running with wise people. My life began to change when I began to surround myself with wise traveling companions. It took a while. It was a reorientation of my life. My life began to change. When we uh, decided we were going to have kids and we, we were years into our marriage and we knew we were going to have a girl uh, as our first child, I knew I needed help. I, I'm an only child. I didn't grow up around girls. I just needed help being a godly dad. So I reached out to a man in our church. This is when I, I, I lived and ministered in Madison, Wisconsin. And his name was Rick. And Rick was one of the elders. And Rick was a super godly man. Rick had raised two godly uh, young ladies. And Rick was also a pretty much world-renowned scientist in this field. He was an expert, and he checked all the boxes. And so I reached out to Rick. I said, hey, I know this is a weird request, but will you start meeting with me monthly? I just need wisdom around me. And he graciously did, and we met for over 10 years, and he saved me from paying so much stupid tax in, in, in becoming a parent and, and even in, in our marriage. When I moved to Portland, uh, came to New Hope, and we, we looked at the rebirth project that New Hope was, I knew I didn't have the necessary experience for that. I'd never faced those kinds of challenges. So I got to know a man named Craig who attends our church and Craig's been president at three seminaries. And uh, Craig, like Rick, is an expert and Craig, like Rick, is super wise. And I did the same thing. I said, hey, will you you give me some of your valuable time and meet with me once a month? And we have, and it's been invaluable to surround myself. One of the authors I read all the time is, is author, Pastor Eugene Peterson. He's like kind of my pastor. He, he passed away a few years ago, but for the rest of my days, I'll be reading Eugene Peterson and listening to his works. It's shaping who I am and the pastor I become. There's just a few of my traveling companions. There's more. Uh, so as you're choosing wise traveling companions, you might say, John, like, how do I decide who's a wise traveling companion? I'm glad you asked. Here's a couple of things from, from the book of Proverbs that, that I brought together. Here are some characteristics of wise traveling companions. One, Proverbs 1, 7, they take God seriously. They fear the Lord. Make sure that that's in place. Two, they have expertise. I'm always looking for expertise. Our staff probably gets annoyed with me. Whenever we face a challenge, I'm like, who's an expert in this? Who's really, really smart in this that we can call and learn from? Uh, Three, their advice aligns with the way of wisdom. Don't hang out with people and look to people for advice where the advice they're giving you doesn't align with the book of Proverbs or other sages in scripture, because those are tried and true. So something's off there. So you want to make sure their advice aligns with the way of wisdom. Uh, Four, uh, they're living skillfully themselves. Beware of anyone who's giving you advice, but isn't practicing that advice themselves. And then finally, this is kind of a weird one, but it's an important one, and it cuts to the heart of the matter. Look for wise traveling companions that you would leave your children with for a month. I'm not saying you would do that with anyone, but if you had to do it, Because sometimes we have these people that we respect, but then when it comes to a choice like that, we're like, nah, I don't want them hanging out with my kids. That's a problem. (laughs) So these are people that were like, yeah, I'd love for that type of person, that wise sage to be able to have a shaping influence on my children. So back to your homework. If you've been writing that list, or maybe it's just a mental list in your head of, of podcasters and authors and news personalities, it could even be people from social media, people that you hang out with. Who's your traveling companions? Just look down at that, at that list. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about it? Here's the truth. You're probably going to be the same person a year from now that you are now if you don't change 
your traveling companions. How do you feel about that? Wise people travel with wise people. If you want to become a fool, travel with fools. Step three of becoming a fool. First step, we do foolish things. It starts to become a pattern. Then we start to travel with foolish people. And then there's the deadly step three where we, we become fools. Step three is that we think we are wise. And that's the simple definition of a fool from the book of Proverbs. People who think they're wise, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs also says it, it, that they're wise in their own eyes, which is kind of an interesting phrase. People who think they are wise are actually fools. That's the, that's the brutal irony of being a fool. And here's the scary thing. We become fools before we know it. We become fools before we know it. it. It should frighten us when we know that's a way that leads to death. In Hebrew wisdom literature, becoming a fool is not becoming Tommy Boy or the Three Stooges or Michael Scott. It, it, it's not becoming a lovable loser. It's far, far worse and far, far more dangerous. Here's just a, a little bit as we paint this portrait of a fool. And remember, this is one of the main agenda items of the message today, to reconstruct how we view a fool. So here's kind of, a, let's repaint the portrait a little bit. These are some characteristics of a fool from the book of Proverbs. A fool hates knowledge and learning. A fool refuses to listen and seek advice. A fool rejects discipline. A fool is prideful. A fool trust completely in themselves, and a fool disregards sin. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'll become a fool today. <laughs> just, I mean, that just doesn't happen, not this definition. And it happens to us before we know it. And a fool, they get to a point where they, they're wise in their own eyes. They think they're wise, and they don't only think they're wise, they think they're wiser than everyone else, including God. So what can we do? What can we do? I think if, if it's not too late, we can be reflective and we can begin to ask ourselves some questions and look at our life and say, am I becoming a fool? So I want to give you some warning signs of becoming a fool. And again, back to my original warning at the beginning of the message, when I list these things, you're going to start to think about other people in your life. Don't do that. Apply these things to your life. If you see any of these things, if you, if you still have perspective and you haven't walked all the way down that path and you see any of these things, count them as warning signs and think of them in, in, in comparison to your own life. All right, so warning signs that, that we have become a fool or really close to becoming a fool. Fools uh, talk more than they listen. There's the old adage that we have one mouth and two ears. If you're around somebody that's talking more than they're listening, if you're talking more than you're listening, beware. Fools very rarely ask questions. Fools very rarely lean in and say, hey, how are you doing? They ask a follow-up question of something you share. So number two warning sign that, that we can become a fool, we're becoming a fool. Fools have, have an answer for everything. You hardly ever hear a fool say, I don't know. You hardly ever hear a fool say, I'm not sure about that. And I'm so, as an aside, I'm so longing for that from our leaders of every party across the spectrum, for someone to look in the camera and be like, I don't know. It's a really great question. Let me spend some time thinking about that and getting experts. <laughs> That's wisdom. 
Fools hardly ever say those words. Fools have an answer for everything. Fools rarely admit they're wrong. You'll hardly ever hear a fool say, I'm sorry, or will you forgive me? Fools simply don't do repentance. Fools are their own counselor. Fools don't seek advice, and fools are really skeptical of experts. They scoff at experts. Fools are surrounded by people that agree with them. Fools can't handle people in their traveling companion circle that might have a, a, a different perspective on things and may push back. Wise people like that. Wise people include those types of people in their traveling circle. They push back. They invite it. They want criticism. They want to think through things. Fools can't handle that. So they surround themselves with people that will just agree with everything they say. And that's called an echo chamber. And you see it dangerously happening everywhere, including social media. Fools haven't changed their mind about anything in a very long time. And think about this. We're applying these things to our life. I know it's, it's so easy to start to think about other people. Your life. When's the last time you changed your mind after thinking and reading and talking to experts about something that was really significant? If you're struggling to think of that time, beware. So on the, on the other side, let's begin just briefly, not in a judgmental way, to now apply it to characteristics we might see in other people. If, if you've got people in your life or people on your list that you're listening to and you're following and you're allowing them to shape your life that, that check any of those boxes that I just said, what do the sages of Scripture say? What do the writers of Scripture say consistently when we encounter a fool? You ready? This is what they say. They say, run. <laughs> they say, don't, don't, don't get near them. Don't hang out with them. And don't argue with them. There's that old saying, no one knows who said it, but it's a great saying, never wrestle with a pig, you'll get dirty and the pig will like it. So never, ever argue with a fool. You will not win and you'll get dirty. And definitely don't argue with a fool on social media. Can I repeat that? Don't argue with a fool on social media. The sages of scripture tell us to avoid relationships with fools and engaging with fools at all costs because they tell us, and this will be hard to hear, they're beyond help. They're beyond help. And that's sad. Uh, they're, they're wise in their own eyes. They think they're wiser than everyone else, including God. So the sages say, stay away from them. They tell us that engaging with fools is not only foolish, but it's dangerous. Let's return again back to the portion of Scripture, Psalm 26, that Nancy read earlier. And in that portion of Scripture, you can turn back to it, or if you're in the online platform, you can actually access the Bible there and, and look at that as I'm reading. But here's a list of things that they tell us that engaging with a fool puts us at risk of. They said engaging with fools is like grabbing a thorn bush when you've had too much to drink, cutting off your own feet, hanging out with someone who's randomly firing arrows in all directions, and drinking poison. If you need more, Proverbs 17, 12 says, uh, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. So what they're saying, this is the sages. This is that room full of people, tried and true principles. They do life well. They're skilled at doing life. They're like, if you try to engage with a fool, if you try to be in relationship with a fool, it's like getting between a mama grizzly and her cubs. Good luck with that. There are no hope for fools because fools think 
they're wise. They think they're wiser than everybody else. They think they're wiser than God. Really, the only hope for a fool was God himself breaking them. And when they get broken, there's a ton of shrapnel, and you don't want to be around for that. Becoming a fool is not like becoming Barney Fife or, or Lloyd and Harry from Dumb and Dumber. That's not what it is in Scripture. That's why Jesus was so strict when he said, don't you dare call anybody a fool, because Jesus knew that becoming a fool was perhaps the most dangerous thing we can ever, ever become. He's like, beware. And here's the scary thing. We become fools before we, we, we know it. It's that old adage of the frog that's being slowly heated up in water until it dies. We don't see it happening to ourselves. It should be frightening to us how quickly we can become a fool. And really the last person to realize they become a fool is the fool. Becoming a fool, the sages of Proverbs will tell us, is no joke. It is a matter literally of life and death. Jesus and the writers of the New Testament were steeped in the wisdom literature. They knew it like the back of their hand. It shaped and formed how they thought and how they lived. Jesus in his first major, major discourse, at the very end of it, says, he, he brings it all together. This is a conclusion. He says, foolish people build their house on the sand. Foolish people live their lives according to their own opinions and others' opinions. They build their life on the sand. But wise people who fear the Lord and take God seriously, build their houses on the rock, God's word. Paul, who was shaped by the wisdom literature, he says this, and watch what he's doing here. He's totally interacting with the book of Proverbs. In Romans chapter one, his most important book, he says this, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their Foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Did you catch that? The trajectory Paul says, here's what happens. They turn from God. They stop listening to God. They begin to listen to themselves. They are wise in their own eyes. They became fools. And Paul literally pulls the definition of fools from Proverbs. He said, they become people who, who think they are wise. And it's a pathway that leads to death. So here we are, we're back at the, at the fork of the road. And let's say this is the major fork in the road. This is like the essential decision on life. Are we gonna walk the way of fools? Are we gonna be like, I know best. I know better than anyone else. I don't need any help. I even know better than God. That's foolishness. That's foolishness and it leads to death. Or we're we going to start each day bowing down to the Lord and saying, you are the God of heaven and earth. I'm in all of you. I take you seriously. You created the world. You know how it works. You tell us how it works. And I'm going to walk your path. And I'm going to walk the way of wisdom. What will it be? And there's so much at stake. Literally, every decision matters. And here's the deal. If we're not careful, we will become fools before we know it. Let me pray for us. God, uh, hope us. We, we, don't, we title this whole, whole series, How Not to Be a Fool. That's the heart of it. We don't want to be fools, God. And a fool's not kind of a lovable loser that we see in TV and movies that we can laugh at and joke about. Becoming a fool is super, super dangerous because it leads to death. 
and it leads to shrapnel for everybody around us that we love. We don't want to become fools, God. We want to be wise. We want to fear you. We want to take you seriously. We want to walk in the way of wisdom. And we need your help. We need the power and presence of your spirit guiding us and enabling us. So have mercy on us, God. Help us help us uh, to pay attention. That's one of the goals of today's message is to, to help us to look at our lives closely and how we're living and watch for patterns and give us the courage, God, where change is needed to change. Uh, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen.